to turn in your Bibles to Job, the 14th chapter. I've had this on my mind for a number of weeks and feel as though the Lord has led me to this for today. And the title of the message is Trouble. Very appropriate, huh? Trouble. Job 14, and let's read in verse 1. Man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. He cometh forth like a flower, beautiful flower, and is cut down. He fleeth also as a shadow and continueth not. In suffering, Job says, Dost thou open thine eyes upon such an one, and bringest me into judgment with thee? Who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean? Not one. Seeing his days are numbered, are determined, the number of his months are with thee. Thou hast appointed his bounds that he cannot pass. Turn from him that he may rest <clears throat> till he shall accomplish as an hireling or as an employee, a worker, a day laborer, till he shall accomplish as a hireling his day. I don't think we can find a more descriptive, pitiful situation outside of the Lord Jesus Christ Himself and what He went through. I don't think, think we can find a more pitiful situation than Job crying out about his trouble. He is what we would say, he is waxing eloquent. You understand that this is, this is the oldest book of the Bible that has been found. Now, the Pentateuch or the book of Moses recounts the creation, of course, but Moses would have written the, the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, he would have written that many, many years after Job was alive. So as far as the authenticity and, and just the ancientness of a book, this is, this is the oldest book in the Bible. And isn't it interesting that those thousands of years ago, the topic was trouble. Can we say that there's consistency in the world, isn't it? <laughs> and it's trouble. Let's talk about trouble. Let me just give you some advice. If you ever encounter Brother Chris McCool, do not ever ask him about the play, The Music Man. Because if you do, it's almost like he's a robot and a switch will switch in him and he'll start singing because he was the music man in the play a hundred years ago, I think. But he was the music man. He was the man. He knew all the words. He still knows them. But if you ask him about the music man, he'll start singing, Oh, you got trouble. You got trouble right here in River City. I can almost do it just from hearing him do it all these years. Don't ever ask Brother Chris about the music man. He'll start singing about trouble in River City. Now, I know some of you are sitting there saying, I can't wait to see him. I'm going to ask him. You're going to regret it. <laughs> so, we are talking about trouble. The word trouble here in the book of Job where it says, Man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. The word trouble, it means commotion or restlessness. And the, the imagery given is as the restlessness of a horse. Some of you folks, I call you, I refer to you as horse masters because you, you deal a lot with horses. Brother Keith, not here today, but he deals a lot with horses, has all of his life. And you know what I'm talking about. You know, there's days when that, I know a little bit about horses. I don't know much. I know a little bit, but there's days when that horse is just as calm as he can be. 
And there's days when he is restless. He might have a, a nail in his hoof or he might have you know, some pain. He can't sit there and tell you what's wrong with him. If he does, uh, then we, we need to talk. <laughs> Make sure we get a good account of that. But the, the commotion or the restlessness of a horse, specifically it's referring to a battle horse. And you think you know something about horses. We, none of us, know really anything about a battle horse. They used to train horses for battle. And of course, we're going to give a Lord of the Rings reference, Brother Luke. One of my favorite scenes in the Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, is whenever the, army, uh, the, the armies of Gondor show up and they're, they're a cavalry and they charge into the line of the, uh, of the enemy who are attacking the, the white city. And it's just mesmerizing to see even this. I know it's digital. I know it's fake, but it's incredible. <laughs> And these horses are just ramming over these goblins and orcs. And I'm shouting and going, yes, yes. <laughs> and you are too. You know you are if you've seen it. But we don't know anything about battle horses. They used to train these battle horses to even bite in the, war, in the battle. I mean, can, ooh, have you ever? I've had a horse step on my foot and nip at me a time or two. That would have been the last nip he ever nipped if he got a plug out of me. But can you imagine facing down some animal like that big vicious riding on a man riding on top of that animal and on a saddle and swinging a sword or a spear and that horse trying to bite you the restlessness of trouble i tell you that's trouble right there if you picture that it means the restlessness of a horse the crash of thunder is where this word trouble comes from that's a scary thing, is it not? I told y'all last year in August when we went to the Rich Mountain Association, we were laying there on that Saturday morning when, oh, when the God of Thunder was riding in to water that dry land and to raise the water level of that creek enough to baptize that dear brother. I tell you what, he was making some noise when he rode in that Arkansas Valley. So much so that it startled me awake. The thunder was disturbing. It troubled me. It was 5 or 4.30 in the morning. I thought about going to the basement and hiding, getting the kids. We were up to the top level. That's trouble when you hear stuff like shakes you. That's the kind of trouble we're talking about. It says also to be disquieted. It, it, can, even be to be, it can even be anger, noise, or rage. And it can also be fear. Many different ways that you can look at trouble. And Job said, man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. The word full means satiated. To be like a sponge would be put in water and just soak it up. I want you to see that what he's saying there is that man is satiated with commotions and fear. Are y'all with me? That's the way it is in life. It's the way it was thousands of years ago in the days of Job. And you and I, we haven't experienced anything like Job has experienced. Amen? <laughs> Nothing. We cannot compare to the loss and the devastation and the trouble and the commotions and the restlessness and the lack of health that Job experienced. Full of trouble. Jeremiah 8 and 15 says, remember Jeremiah, he wrote in the days whenever it was Jerusalem, the, city, the nation of Israel was going down. Judah was gone. It was on the way out. And Jeremiah 8 and 15, he says, We looked for peace, but no good came. And for a time of health, and behold, trouble. <laughs> Can you identify with that? Everybody said, we just get this vaccine here. Everything's going to be fine. Am I being a little too real for you? I told you last year, I said, this is what we're dealing with this year. 
We're going to be dealing with something else next year. And guess what? It's going to be something else next year and the year after. And let me tell you, child of grace, if I know anything, and I, I'm not a prophet, but if I, I believe with all of my heart, then in Revelation, the 20th chapter, you read where Satan was bound with a chain, where he could not deceive the nations of the world. I believe with all of my heart. And I can't prove it, but I believe he's been let loose. Look at the way he's deceiving the world. You want to know who's behind the division and the politics and behind the jockeying for position and all the things and the, ra- the allegations of racism and all of the things, the LGBTQ. All, it's just overwhelming, isn't it? Satan is behind it all. He's deceiving the world. <laughs> if you don't believe it, then you've got your head in the sand. I told you last year, I said it's going to be something next year. I'm not sitting here saying I am not saying I go on record and say, I'm not saying, I told you so. I'm not saying that. Because that would be very smart aleck. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, I told you so. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Y'all know me. I look at, there's two ways you can look at life. It's a comedy or tragedy. I'm just going to keep on laughing. Okay. I'm not saying I told you so. But it is without without a doubt that we are looking for a time of health and trouble comes. Okay, we need to stop looking for a time of health. Are you listening to me? We need to stop looking for a time of peace in this world. Because it's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. We need to look to the place who has the remedy for the source of all trouble. Man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. We need to look to the God of, who thunders gloriously when He comes into the valley and He says, I'm here. I'm here to raise the levels of the water just so I can baptize one person. So the preacher can baptize one person. That's who we need to look to. Job said, man that is born of a woman is, full, is, is few of days and full of trouble. He is satiated with commotions and with restlessness and with like the crash of thunder and with disquietedness, sometimes with anger and oftentimes with fear. (laughs) You see, it also comes from a root word, to quiver. And I'm not talking about a, a quiver that you put arrows in. I mean to quiver with the violent emotion, especially fear. How about that? That's what it means to have trouble. To quiver with violent emotions, especially. It sounds like a panic attack, doesn't it? If you just get all quivered up. Now look, I've never had uh, a panic attack myself, but I have dealt with many, many people that have. And it is a real deal. And I've seen people who were having one that literally were shaking and they could not control it. Now, the only thing I can get close to on that would be if I've been very, very cold and I was trembling and I couldn't. I, I, you know, I've actually had that thinking on it. I've actually had that happen to me a time or two before. Maybe I was fixing to stand up in front of a jury. And I was thinking, oh, they don't see me shake when I start talking to them, you know. Maybe that was a panic attack. I don't know. <laughs> but I was nervous and I was cold and I was shaking. But that's what it means to quiver, to shake, to tremble. Five times in the book of Job, he speaks of trouble. In Job, the third chapter, the 17th verse, he speaks of the wicked troubling. And you know what he says? He says there's a place where the wicked don't trouble anymore. That's called the grave, by the way. And then he says in Job 3 and 26, he says that uh, trouble came. He says, I was at rest. Everything was going great in my life. And trouble came. In Job 37 and verse 2, Elihu, the young man, the fourth one that came, not the three miserable comforters, but the fourth one that spoke, uh, that spoke truth and hit the nail on the head before the Lord showed up, uh, Elihu referred to the Lord and spoke of the noise of his voice, the noise of the voice of the Lord being something that would trouble you. Isn't that not true? <laughs> 
If you heard the voice of the Lord right now, it would be troubling, would it not? It would cause us to sort of quiver. You say, oh no, he's my bud, he's my pal, he's my BFF, he's my friend. Yeah, I get that angle, I get that he's your friend, but you understand every single person that encountered the Lord when in, in these days when Job was alive and after, they hit the dust, they bit the dust, they fell on their face. It troubled them when the Lord showed up and the Lord would touch them and say, come on, I, I, I want to talk to you. Any good? And by the way, this is just a few moments before the Lord shows up in the form of a whirlwind and everybody bites the dust, you see? Job 39 and 24, the Lord Himself, this is neat because I already mentioned to you the battle horse, but the Lord Himself in painting the beautiful picture of His creation, He speaks of the battle horse. Job 39 and verse 24, God Himself describing the horse that goes into battle. When I read that, you know what it made me think of? One of my favorite movies of all time, Secretariat. Uh, you know, I don't know if you've seen that movie, but I highly recommend it. It, it, The movie starts off and there's this horse, Secretariat, or, you know, the horse that plays Secretariat. I know it's not really him, okay? It's Hollywood. But this horse is trunging down the way there, you know, out in the race. And I'm thinking, well, this is great. Well, then they start quoting the book of Job. This right here from the book of Job. And I start crying like a baby. Don't be quoting the book of Job in some movie or you quote the book of Job around me. I may lose it. (laughs) But... God refers to the battle horse as something that is thunderous, something that is trouble, you see. In the New Testament, Jesus, in a very familiar verse of Scripture, John 16 and 33, He says, in the world... Now watch this now, listen to this. I I just had this pointed out to me recently, and I love it. (laughs) He says, in me, Christ says, in the world, you shall have tribulation. There's a shall there. He says, but in me, Christ... You may have peace. Y'all catch that? He didn't say you shall have peace. He said you may have peace. That is a possibility. So it all depends on what we're looking at and what our attitude is and whether or not we're trembling at the trouble of the world or if we're resting in the promises and the presence and the beautiful, beautiful salvation that God has given us. See? You shall have tribulation, trouble, trial, sickness, pain, suffering, but you may have peace in Christ. Let's talk about that because that's important. You say, well, Brother Tim, I see it says we shall have trouble, but we may have peace. How does that work? Let's talk about it. Look at 2 Thessalonians 1 and verse 3 through 9. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, we're going to read verse 3, beginning. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth. Sounds like a wonderful situation among God's people, doesn't it? So that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith and all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure, which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God, that ye may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God, for which ye also suffer. It, it sounds clearly to me that there's some suffering involved in following the Lord. Seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. There's a word, trouble. It is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. And to you who are troubled, rest with us. And he goes on and talks about when the Lord shall be revealed from heaven. Are you resting in that return of the Lord this morning? You say, yeah, it would be great if we could just see it. Yes, it would. It would be great if it was right now. (laughs) 
You would see it. Every eye will behold it. But until then, Paul says, rest with us. Now look, at, uh, look over at 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 23. Let me ask you a little litany of questions here. I ask myself these questions. And I wonder if I'm even qualified to be a preacher when I read this. 2 Corinthians 11 and 23. This is Paul who said, rest with us if you're troubled. And Paul said, are they ministers of Christ? Paul says, I speak as a fool. I am more and labors more abundantly and stripes above measure. Have I ever had stripes laid to me? Have I ever been beaten? In prisons more frequent, have I ever been in prison? In deaths oft, under threat of life, have I ever had my life threatened? No. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Have I ever been beaten by anybody with a cat of nine tails? No. Or a stick? Thank God, no. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Has anybody ever taken a rock aside from the playground, you know, when I was probably deserved it in third grade? Nobody's ever taken a rock and tried to kill me for preaching the gospel. The Apostle Paul was stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. Oh my goodness, if that's a qualification for me to be a minister of the gospel, go ahead and throw me overboard because I'll be sick as a dog. I can't take the motion and the commotion of being out on the water. Paul, was he suffered uh, shipwreck. Three times. I'm, I just don't feel qualified to be a minister of the gospel. I haven't suffered any of these. Have you? Have you suffered any of these things? A night and a day have I been in the deep. He floated in the water without a life jacket. He, they didn't have life jackets back then. They probably had a board or a piece of wood that he was floating on. I haven't done that. In journeyings, and perils, and perils of robbers, and perils of waters, and perils of my own countrymen, and perils by the heathen, and perils in the city, and perils in the wilderness, and perils in the sea, and perils among false brethren, and weariness, and painfulness, and watchings, often hunger, and thirst, and fastings, and cold, and nakedness, and besides all of this, that which come upon me daily, the care of all the churches. <laughs> I'm done. I'm just going to quit. I'm going to turn in my credentials. I'm just not qualified. Are you? Are you qualified to say anything like what the Apostle Paul has said? Oh, I've been bad-mouthed a few times. I've had ugly things said about me. I, but nobody's ever taken up a stick and said, Come here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to beat your brains in. Praise God. Paul had all of that stuff happen to him. And he says to you today, he says, If you're troubled, you don't have that trouble. Rest with us. The Lord's coming. The Lord's going to come back and, and take away all of it. If that guy could say this, we can rest in what He tells us. Amen? The marks of Christ, as Brother Luke preached a few weeks ago, are in the life and the body of, of the Apostle Paul. Where are our marks? Where are the marks of Christ in us? Praise God, it's not in beatings and in stonings and in shipwrecks and in almost drowning. You see, we should be experiencing our faith growing, not receding. I don't have time to go to Peter, but I'll just briefly mention Peter. Peter says, wouldn't if you suffer... For serving God. This is Peter who was crucified. In history, they say Peter was crucified upside down. And he was an outcast. And he was just an old fisherman that the Lord brought into his service. Peter says, if any man suffer as a Christian, let him rejoice. You see? A man who suffered like that can say that. Y'all understand what I'm saying? If Paul can say that to us, that we need to rest and not be troubled by the things of the world, if we can rest, if that man can say that, then praise God. If Job can say what he says to us, then we can rest. Because none of us have been through what Job went through. None of us have been through what Paul went through. None of us have been through what Peter went through. But are you having trouble? We still do, don't we? Is it Job-level trouble? I hope not. I don't think it is. That Job-level trouble was a whole other level, was it not? He lost ten kids. He lost everything he had. I don't know of anybody that I've ever, that I've ever encountered that experienced that. So you don't have Job-level trouble with the things that we see going on around us right now. I'm not diminishing the trouble that we experience because God, the, the trouble we experience is real. 
And it's something that bothers us. And it's something that can cause us to shake and to quiver. It can make us angry. It can get us all crossed up. It can do all numbers of things on us. But when we come back to what Job came back to, and what Peter came back to, and what Paul came back to, then we can rest even in the time of trouble. Let me tell you kind of trouble you don't want. You don't want God-level trouble. Are you listening to me? This may be a strange statement that I'm about to make. But it would be much better if you were, if you were put, had a scale of trouble it would be much better to experience Job-level trouble than it would be to experience God-level trouble. Let me tell you about God-level trouble. It's like what Saul experienced because he would not repent of his jealousy. He experienced some God-level trouble that led, led to suicide. We don't want to experience what Samson experienced because of his fornication and because of his sexual sin. He experienced a God-level trouble where God just said, I'm done with you, man. He didn't say, I'm done with you and you're going to hell. He said, I'm done with you if you're going to live that way. If you're not going to repent, if you're not going to listen to me. We don't want to experience God-level trouble like David experienced whenever he committed adultery with Bathsheba. He lost four children because of his sin. We don't want to experience God-level trouble but the way that Lot experienced it. You know how Lot experienced it? He compromised and he compromised and he chipped away and he chipped away until he was a full-blown, well-known citizen of Sodom. You see? We don't want to be like Ephraim. You know, Ephraim is just another name for Israel in the Old Testament. And in Hosea, the fourth chapter, in the verse 17, this is one of the most, one of the saddest verses in the Bible. This is on the level of where Samson goes out and he says, I will shake myself and as at other times and I'll whip these Philistines. And he wist not, he knew not that God had departed from him. He didn't have his strength anymore. And in Hosea 4 17, it says that Ephraim, which is another name for the nation of Israel, the nation of Judah at that time, Ephraim is joined to his idols. Let him alone. God says that. God, you know, it, God didn't take out a billboard and say, Ephraim, on the billboard, you're joined to your idols, I'm leaving you alone. No, God through His prophet said, if Ephraim's going to go and play with those toys, if Ephraim's going to take all his strength from those idols, He says he's turned to his idols, hands off, leave him alone. Oh, we don't want that kind of God-level trouble, do we? This is Hosea 5 and verse 13. When Ephraim saw his sickness and Judah saw his wound, then went Ephraim to the Assyrian. The Assyri that's like almost like a joke, almost like a heavenly joke. Like Ephraim sees what's going on and what he's doing, and so he goes and he consults with the Assyrian, which was the enemy. <laughs> he consults with the enemy and sent to King Jareb. Yet could he not heal you nor cure, cure you of your wound? For I will be unto Ephraim as a lion. We don't want this kind of trouble. This is God-level trouble. God says, I'll be to Ephraim like a lion, as a young lion in the house of Judah. I will tear and go away. I will take away and none shall rescue him. We don't want that kind of God-level trouble because we've turned to our idols, do we? Verse 15, I will go and return to my place till they acknowledge their offense. Don't you love the way that God gives something beyond just an absolute? This is the way it is. He says, but, he says, until he repents, until he acknowledges his sin. Oh, child of grace, we should be on our face every day. On our faces every day. Acknowledging our sin. You may say, what sin, Brother Tim? Oh, you've got it. You just may not be recognizing it for what it is. Pray to God. He says he will show you your sin. The secret sins. In Psalms, he says, Search me, O God, and see if there be any wicked way within me. Do you pray that prayer to God and say, Lord, show me my sin? It says, He will go away from Ephraim until he has acknowledged his offense and seek my face. The Lord says, I'm, basically, He says, I'm picking up my toys and I'm going home. Until He comes around. Chapter 7, verse 1. When I would have healed Israel. Listen to this now. Listen. God says, when I would have healed Israel... 
Then the iniquity of Ephraim was discovered, and the wickedness of Samaria, for they commit falsehood. The thief cometh in, the troop of robbers spoileth. They consider not in their hearts that I remember all their wickedness. Verse 6, for they have made ready their heart like an oven. They're getting ready to bake themselves in the oven whilst they lie in wait. Verse 7, they are all hot as an oven and have devoured their judges. All their kings are fallen. There is none among them that calleth unto me. Ephraim, verse 8, he hath mixed himself among the people. Ephraim is a cake, not turned. He's burning, you see. Strangers have devoured his strength, and he knoweth it not. Yea, gray hairs are here and there upon him, yet he knoweth it not. And the pride of Israel testified to his face, and they do not return to the Lord their God, nor seek him for all this. That is a sad, God-level trouble that Ephraim was in. See, see, here's Ephraim's problem. Ephraim thought that he was still pretty good looking. You know, he fixed his hair, he fixed himself up, put on his best clothes, you know, and he looks like a complete, he looks, he looks just, all, just worn out and completely horrible. I started kind of combing my hair back a little bit. You see these gray hairs up here. I know they're there. But I thank very many of you that have told me that they're there. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. That's a good reminder. Oh, that gray hair, Brother Tim. I know the gray is there. And no, I'm not going to cover it up. It's a season of life. I'm very proud of that gray. I know it's there though. Ephraim didn't know it's there. Ephraim's combing himself up and he's looking all shy. He's like, I'm going to be the man about town. You know, I'm going to be, everybody's going to look at me and they're going to say, Woo, look at him. Yeah, everybody looked at him, but they didn't go, Woo, look at him. They said, Oh my goodness, he looks awful. And you may be saying that about me. You may start calling me Ephraim. That's real, that'd be mean. But anyway, I know my grades are there. I know I'm getting older. I told my kids the other day, I said, You know, I was looking at myself in the mirror and my head, my head is fat. I need, how do you lose weight on your head? I'm still trying to figure that one out. <laughs> and I've, I've cued some of y'all in and some of my weakness, and now you're going to start calling me fathead. That's okay. If I get a laugh out of it and you forget about the trouble that's going on out there, praise God, okay? I got a fathead preacher, you know, with grays. I know my head is fat. I know I've got gray hairs coming out of my head. I'm happy to be alive, and I'm happy to be resting in the Lord Himself. God, help us to not reach God-level trouble like Ephraim has reached. He doesn't even know what he looks like. It says he's a silly dove without heart. I tell you, I love doves. Well, I used to really love to shoot doves when we were growing up, you know. But I love doves, and they usually fly in pairs. And here's a silly dove that doesn't even have a heart. This dove it doesn't have any sense. Why? Because they call to Egypt, and they go to Assyria. Who is the trouble ender? Egypt is not the trouble ender. Assyria is not the trouble ender. King Jareb is not the trouble ender. I tell you, the Lord in heaven is the trouble Isaiah 14, 3 says that. Habakkuk 3 and 2 says that. All through the Scripture. I want you to know that God is the trouble ender. God is the one that deals with your troubles and with your quivering and with your fearing and with your shaking. Psalm 16, 11, He says, Give us help from trouble, which means a tight place, for vain is the help of man. Psalm 77 and verse 2, and on down through verse 13, He goes on and He concludes that if you want relief from trouble, the way to find relief from trouble is with the Lord, and His way is, guess where? It's in the sanctuary. Uh, interpreted to what that means today. It's in the church of God. You're not going to get your answers in Washington. You're not going to get your answers from Fauci. You're not going to get your answers from politicians. You're not going to get your answers from this next gloom and doom. You're going to get your answers from the one who sits and inhabits the throne and will not abdicate his throne. Where are you going to find that? Where are you going to hear that, child of grace? Where did Job get it from? When the, I tell you, whenever the Lord showed up in the form of the whirlwind, Job got his answers. And did you know that the Lord never said, I did this, Job, and I did that? The Lord never explained himself. We know what happened. We know what Satan did to Job. We know how Satan raked all that havoc upon the life of Job. And God never explained Himself. You know why? Because at that point, He didn't have to. 
It was obvious that God had not done that. It was obvious that God was a sustainer. It was obvious that God had not sent bad health to Job. It was obvious that Satan had done those things. And Job's answers rested in the Lord Jesus Christ. His answers rested in the God of heaven. You see? You want to know where your answers lie? They lie in the sanctuary of God. They lie in the church of God. They lie in the Word of God. You won't rest from trouble. You won't rest from commotions. If you're satiated with commotions, you'll find your answers in the Word of God, in the church of God, among the people of God who look to the throne of God. <clears throat> Seek ye first, Matthew 6, the kingdom of God. And all these things shall be added unto you. <laughs> Study the Word of God. Pray. Go to church. Invest yourself in the kingdom of God. Listen to me, child of grace. Listen very carefully. If we go anywhere today, if we go to the grocery store, if we go to the restaurant, if we go to work, if we go anywhere, we must go to the house of God. Amen. We must go to the house of God. The time for mincing words about that is no more. If we go anywhere, we must go to the house of God. Amen. That's where the answers lie. That's where God speaks to us. Uh, Brother McNeil was talking about how he appeared to Jacob. And it says that, that Jacob woke up and he says, this is the gate of heaven. I tell you, child of grace, you want to know where the gate of heaven is? It's where God's Spirit comes down and blesses the singing. And He blesses the preaching. And He blesses the praying. He blesses the minister of God to have something to tell you. To, be, to keep you calm from your troubles. You see? That's the way of God. That's the gate of God. The most important place that we have on this planet is the church of God. And the most important people on this planet are not inhabiting the halls of Washington. They're not inhabiting the halls of the CDC. They're not inhabiting the halls of places around the world. They are inhabiting the church of God. You hear me? Isaiah, whenever he was distressed because of the political turmoil of the day, he saw the Lord on His throne, high and lifted up. And it, that throne was sitting in the temple of God. Last time I checked, the only throne that would have been in the temple of God would have been in that little bitty chair, that mercy seat that was above the Ark of the Covenant. But in that vision, in that time of political turmoil, I tell you, Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up. And there was a throne in the temple of God. And I tell you, the throne of God is in the church of God. It condescends to the people of God when the Lord pleased. We can't capture Him and magnetize Him and say, come here and do our bidding, Lord. No, we beg Him and we say, God bless the minister. God bless the service. God bless us to get through this trouble. You see, Ezekiel, whenever he was a prisoner down by the river Kibar, it says that he saw the throne of God and it was a roaming throne. That throne was roaming all about the land with those cherubims underneath it and the wheels within a wheel and all that magnificent view that he saw there. And this poor old prisoner who was probably hungry down there by the river as a prisoner of, in, in the PLW camp, he sees the throne of God. It says that, if you'll read it, it says that God, the Spirit of God, spoke expressly to Ezekiel. Don't you know that was a comfort to him? Don't you know that he felt calm from his trouble when he looked up and he saw the roaming throne of God that can go anywhere, be anywhere, do anything. And then we read about John over there in, uh, when he was on the island of Patmos, also a prisoner. And he was there by himself, alone. Have you ever felt alone, child of grace? Have you ever felt as though nobody cared about you? Have you ever felt as though you were the last one and there's none left? Like Elijah said, there's none others to help me. I want you to know John, the apostle, the apostle of love, on the day, on Sunday morning, on a morning just like this morning, all those many thousands of years ago, almost two thousands of years ago, he's separated from his family, he's separated from the church, he has no fellowship with anyone, and God calls him up into the throne room of heaven, and he sees glorious things there. Amen. He sees the throne room of God. Can you imagine how he felt? 
He sees the throne of God. The throne of God is in the temple, the church of God. The throne of God roams around the world and can go into Washington, D.C., the Kremlin, uh, the, the, the deep, dark halls of political injustice in China. God can go anywhere because He's on His throne. Why do you think that God revealed His throne to Isaiah? Why do you think He revealed His throne to Ezekiel? Why do you think He revealed His throne to John, that old prisoner on that barren rock over there in the Isle of Patmos? It's because He wanted, to, he wanted those men to know, and God wants you to know today, that everything that goes forth, everything that happens in this world, no matter how crazy it seems, no matter how out of control and how much trouble you're experiencing and how bad it's keeping you awake at night, God wants you to know that He is still on his throne and there's nothing that escapes his eyes, nothing that escapes his hand nothing can stay his hand or no one can say to him, what doest thou and one sweet day when we're all gathered together if you don't do it now you will say and I will too oh I see brother Tim, I see but you won't be saying brother Tim you'll be saying I see Lord Jesus say it now say it now this is the farthest I've gone over 12 o'clock and 15 years. <laughs> Listen, I'm going to leave you with this. I had to get up really early. Like 4 o'clock one morning last week. That's probably nothing to you tough people. I'm not very tough. And anytime I have to get up at 4, 5, 5 or before, it's like something switches in my mind. I'm just like, I, just, I dread going to sleep because I'm like, I can't make myself go to sleep to get this 4 or 5 hours or 6 hours that I need. Sure enough. Couldn't sleep. Started out in bed number one. Our sister Tracy died. She's over there sound asleep. Praise God. Lay there, lay there, lay there. Get up. Go to bed number two, the couch. Lay there, lay there, lay there, lay there. Somebody in the house who will remain nameless was talking on the telephone at that time of night. So had to deal with that. You know who you are. That got me a little more awake. Lay there, lay there, lay there. Couldn't sleep. I was like, I'm going to go to the basement. Back room in the basement. Dark as a cave. Like a dungeon. Surely I'll be able to sleep there. Get in there, I'll settle down. You know, I'm taking my phone with me. I'm plugging it in everywhere. I'm like, a, I'm like, I'm sorry, little old ladies, but I'm like a little old lady, you know, doing all these things like my grandmother Springer used to have to do. She had to do a thousand things before she went to bed. So I'm doing all that. I lay down. Okay, this is it. I'm going to sleep. And then there's the drip, drip, drip in the air conditioner that I forgot about. So, bed number three. I get up. With a little light. I'm walking across the floor there in the basement. But chunk, I step in a splash of water. And then immediately the adrenaline, you know, splash of water all over the basement floor. I'm like, oh my goodness. I started looking. It's downspout messed up. What's going on? I looked around. I said, oh no, Lord, don't let it be the water heater. Go in the basement, open the door. There it is. Just water just running out of that hose. Thank God it was the hose and not the heater itself. So immediately I wasn't like, oh no. Immediately I said, thank you, God, that I couldn't sleep. Because if this had gone on all night long, I wouldn't have made my 4 o'clock, I wouldn't have made my 6 o'clock, I wouldn't have made my 8 o'clock, I wouldn't have made my 9 o'clock, and so forth and so on. I might not have made it to church. <laughs> you say, well, that's silly. You can think it's silly or not, but I fixed that thing that night and with little mess and leakage and destroy in the basement. So I climbed up in bed number 4, tried to go to sleep, and I thought, oh, one of those crickets in the basement was on my back and I almost jumped out of the bed. Finally wound up back. Bed number five was bed number one. I finally got back upstairs, you know, about two or three o'clock. Got an hour and a half of sleep. Some of y'all are used to that. That's all you ever get. But not me. 
But I could sleep soundly. I could sleep soundly just thinking, man, I'm so happy that I got to change that line out and the whole basement was not flooded, including all the furniture and stuff that Sister Abigail has in there now. <laughs> it's about to be shipped out. <laughs> I laid down that night and I thought, I'm going to be exhausted tomorrow, but I'm going to go through that whole day tomorrow thinking, thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. You say that? That wasn't the Lord. You can say that as long as you want to. But I believe it was the Lord keeping me awake so that I could fix that problem and not have more trouble the next day. Let me tell you something. Listen to me. Just assuming that was the Lord that blessed me to get that fixed. If the Lord can keep Brother Tim awake to fix a silly little drip in his house, I'm telling you, he can see you through anything. Anything. And if you think he's not that in tune to what's going on in your life, then you've got your head in the sand. Child of God. Man that is born of a woman. It's a few days. Let's get real personal. Tim, that is born of a woman, is a few days. And Tim is full of trouble, satiated with commotions. Tim comes forth like a flower. And Tim will be cut down one day. Tim flees like a shadow. And Tim will continue not. And dost thou open thine eyes upon such a Tim, such a one as Tim? Who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean? Not one. Seeing his days are determined. Seeing Tim's days are determined. The number of Tim's months are with thee. Thou hast appointed his bounds that Tim cannot pass. Turn from him that he may rest till, he shall, till Tim shall accomplish as a hireling his day. Put your name in there. Rest in the Lord. His way is in the sanctuary. His throne does not quiver, does not shake. He will be with you it might be a drip in the basement. It might be the delta strain. It might be the next strain that's going to be right around the corner when this strain is gone. As we said last year, it's going to be the next one. Be, use your common sense. Be safe. Be healthy. Observe safe practices. But don't forget, God is on the throne. And He loves you. And I love you. With all of my heart, I love you. There may be one or more here that would like to follow the Lord. And there may be some people here that are really mad because I've gone 15 minutes over. I'm very, very sorry. I don't know the last time I did. And I hope I never do it again. But as I told you many times, I'll give it back to you. I'll give you that 15 minutes back. You hold me to it, okay? I love you. And I thank you for letting me preach that out because I don't think I might have exploded or Sister Tracy might have had to hear the rest of it if I hadn't got to preach it out to you. I believe the Lord's blessed us though. And I believe we've been today at the gate of heaven. May God be praised.